Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. And you can get all the other information you need there on how to contact us, download all the shows, subscribe, do all that other good stuff. And we hope you can subscribe so you can join us each and every week. At least we hope we get out each and every week an episode. It's been a little while. Episode 13 was interesting because uh, that was about superstition and bad luck and, and all things about that. And as I was getting ready to post episode 13, our web host went down and went down hard. Normally, not a big deal because problems happen and usually a web host will get back up fairly quickly. In this case, uh, not so much. They had a an administrator who typed in the wrong command, if you can believe that, and took down multiple servers with one bad command. And then it turned out that the servers were not, they were new. They had been updated. We're using some of this best cloud technology, which makes the sites super fast, which is a good thing. But I guess the backups weren't done correctly. This The configuration was not correct. So the local backups did not exist. And the backups that they did have, which is a good thing they had backups, were stored in servers across the country with, this was supposed to be like the third or fourth line of defense. And luckily they had this, but they weren't on fast machines. And uh, the long story condensed very, very short for you is it took four or five days for the host to come back up. Devastating for the host, I'm sure. It's a local company. Still highly recommend them, MDD Hosting. Uh, they're out of Indiana. Great as far as service and support, except for this one incident. They've been around for about a decade or so, and I've been using them for quite a while. One of the only web hosts that will respond to a service support call or email, however you want to contact them, usually within an hour, if not quicker, and it's usually quicker, and problems are usually fixed just about the same. I mean, they're very quick, have always loved their support. So this killed me, and I figured maybe I had something to do with that by episode 13 of this podcast being about all things bad luck and superstition and all that. And literally, I was doing the cover art. The episode had been recorded. I was ready to go, had finished the cover art, was about ready to upload it. And I'm like, well, that's weird. The site's down. Long story short, you know, the episode finally came out. But that was the story of episode 13. And the bad luck didn't really stop there for me. And that's why episode 14, which we're doing right here, is going to be entitled Stones. For two different reasons. We're going to be talking about a very personal story, which is about my gallstones, which we had snipped out since the uh, the last episode. And stones as far as having really big stones, as Hawk Harrelson, White Sox announcer extraordinaire, now retired. When you talk about somebody having big stones to be able to say something, do something, we're going to be talking about a Sports Illustrated model, swimsuit model who had some really big stones by telling Victoria's Secret how to do business. So those two things are what we're talking about today in episode 14. Now, 
the gallbladder surgery is usually a pretty easy surgery. And, and overall, I guess it was. But I guess we can back up for the fact that I found out about six, seven, eight months ago that I had gallstones, had a bout of heartburn, which is something I really had never gotten much until that point. Had a bout of heartburn that uh, just wouldn't go away. It started about seven o'clock at night one night. By about 11 or 12, it wasn't going away. I was getting a little concerned because, as we know, you know, heartburn, that kind of a feeling, it's in the same area in the chest. You know, there's heart issues. You know, Kevin Smith, the great podcaster and director, I don't know if you would like being in that order because usually it was Kevin Smith, director, podcaster, but you know, now he's more of a podcaster. Let's be honest about it. He had just had his heart attack and he was like, I didn't realize what it was. I just didn't feel good. I couldn't get comfortable in my chest. So I'm like, okay, let's get this checked out. Went into the hospital. The heartburn was horrible. And again, lasted from about 7 p.m. the one evening. And it started to go away maybe about 11 or noon the following day. They did a bunch of tests, cleared out all the heart issues, cleared all that. So that was a good thing. And found out I had gallstones. And like, well, it was probably a gallbladder attack. And everything with medical stuff now is great because it's it's probably, you know, it's never they they always want to hedge their bets a little bit. But they're like, you know what? You have gallstones. Everything else this makes sense. It was throwing up bile, all that kind of fun stuff that night. And uh, they figured that's what it was. And like, well, one of them's a few centimeters large. It's a fairly large stone. So you'll probably want to get that out. I used it as the best reason ever to start eating healthy, start dieting, start trying to do the right thing. Because when somebody tells you that if you eat foods with a high fat content, which almost everything has now, I mean, it's almost sad. Go to your refrigerator or the next time you're out shopping for groceries, start reading the labels. It will terrify you the amount of fat that is in everything we eat almost each and every day. So basically, the gallbladder diet is don't eat anything with a high fat content, or as my surgeon said, anything that looks good, you can't eat it. So that's what I did, and I did that for about seven months. Went on a diet where fat was my enemy. I stayed away from it. Not one French fry, not one hamburger, not one slice of pizza, which for eight months, seven months, whatever it was, was I thought it was going to be excruciating. But really, after the first few weeks, and this is something that if you go and listen to guys like Kevin Smith, who's just dropped a bunch of weight, or Penn Gillette, who wrote a book and just dropped over 100 pounds, I believe. After the first few weeks, there's really no cravings. You're not sitting around going, gee, I really wish I could have that slice of pizza. You just get used to the fact that where you used to eat hamburgers and French fries and pasta with Alfredo sauce, which is so freaking good, you realize you can't have that anymore. And you end up eating a lot of turkey, grilled chicken, cottage cheese, fruits, vegetables, those kind of things. And you just kind of get used to it. So that is a plus because that is the best diet plan anybody could have put me on, which is basically playing Russian roulette with food because the heartburn that I was getting in that one attack just told me, 
I didn't want to have to go through that again. So I figured stick with the low fat diet and I won't have any more problems. I can lose the weight, get the gallbladder done towards the end of the year, which was, you know, again, insurance, which is a lot of fun. Let me tell you, if you want a heartburn, deal with insurance companies. But I figured, okay, let's wait to towards the end of the year. I wasn't having any problems for about that six or seven months after that really bad attack because I was eating right. I was doing the right thing. For some reason, that didn't change. I didn't eat anything bad. The heartburn came back, and it came back strong. So went in, got the, uh, got the surgery scheduled with the, uh, with the surgeon, obviously, and uh, that was for about four weeks after, and those four weeks were miserable because it really didn't matter what I ate at that point. The, uh, the heartburn would come back. You know, if somebody just looked at me wrong, uh, the heartburn came back and uh, it just didn't matter. It was, didn't matter what I ate. The, uh, the heartburn was there. There was a lot of misery. It was interesting because my wife had uh, gallbladder surgery about a year ago, and I've known other people who've had it done. And usually gallbladder attacks are uh, they're a little bit different than what I experienced because I never had the pain in the side, which is usually what you get. With a gallbladder attack, you know, you have some massive pain uh, where the gallbladder is, and quite often you're nauseous, throwing up, that kind of thing. I didn't have any of that except for some vomiting that first night after, and it was well after the attack the following morning, and I think it was because of a lot of the medication and stuff that they had given me, so I didn't have any of that. I just had really bad heartburn to the point where I'm thinking, is this really even gallstones? Are they sure? I mean... They did one test, you know, they did the, uh, where they go in and they look at it with the, uh, with the echo or whatever they're using the, uh, you know, the magical, uh, medical technology that they have. And okay. They saw that there were stones. So I, I was kind of sure it was, but I was kind of questioning it at the same time. Cause it's like my symptoms were entirely different. So anyway, we're going to fast forward to the fact that the day before you have gallbladder surgery is usually worse than the gallbladder surgery because you have to take the pills, which clear your system out and you can't have any solid food. So it's basically a long day of running back and forth to the bathroom. Unfortunately, I think that got me a little dehydrated, even though drinking liquids, I don't know if there were enough liquids that I could consume through the mouth when everything else was coming out the other end due to the pills that you had to take to clear out your system. So if you're not completely grossed out and have already turned the podcast off, basically on the day of surgery, went in for the surgery, that was done. They give a green dye or some sort so they can see what's going on, which is good. Well, I've had other surgeries, retinal surgeries than that, where I can get quite nauseous after being under. So I was kind of expecting that. And of course, after the surgery, that was the case. The vomiting came, you know, they're like, everything's great. No problem. Getting me dressed, getting me ready to go. Wife goes out to get the car as they're pushing me in the wheelchair out of the room. Any, this little bit of movement, it was like, okay, I'm going to throw it. Boom. Start throwing up violently to the fact, to the, to the point where I felt my heart go out of rhythm. And I had heart issues as a kid, and it was a very similar type thing. 
But I'm like, okay, look, there's, there's something wrong. So I go back, you know, the nurse wheels me back into the room and she's taking my pulse. She's like, no, everything's fine. Luckily, the anesthesiologist came back into the room and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, I was throwing up and I'm like, you know, I can feel my heart fluttering. And he went and he listened to it and he's like, you know what? We're going to get you an EKG. They did the EKG and he's like, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. Your heart has gone into AFib, which basically means a sinus rhythm is the good rhythm for your heart. That's the rhythm that it's supposed to be in. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Well, the heart decided with the stress of probably not having any food for a few days, the stress of the surgery, the anesthesia, the throwing up. Finally, that kind of clicked it off. And instead of going bada boom, bada boom, bada boom, it's like bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Everything goes a little bit haywire. So, Long story short there, too, we spend the night in the hospital with some nice drugs that they give you. Heart was back okay and about 12 hours after the surgery. I'm on a heart monitor right now, so if you hear any weird little sounds, it is a cell thing. And sitting next to the microphone here every now and then, I hear a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of an interference as it's trying to talk to the mothership, which is, this is also an amazing thing. Being on a heart monitor, this is all just to, uh, to make sure everything is okay, especially with having a history of heart issues. Sent me home with this thing for 30 days. And I remember as a kid, I was seven years old when I had the heart condition. I've been off all medication and stuff since I was like 16. So it's not like I've been dealing with heart issues for the, you know, any time recently, but better safe than sorry kind of thing. They send you home now with a little device that's just a little bit bigger than a cell phone that does a constant EKG. And if it notices that your rhythm is changing, it automatically sends that to the company who then can contact your doctor. And if something goes horribly wrong, you know, they'll contact the authorities and all that to make sure everything is, uh, everything is taken care of. It's amazing to me because at seven years old, when I was sent home with one of these, it was the size of a few bricks put together and it was run on cassette tape. So it ran for like 24 hours because it was taking a, you know, the longest cassette tape that they could make and just running it really, really slowly. This is a hell of a lot better, obviously real time, because I remember then you would have to take the thing back to the hospital. It would take them days to get the results and all that kind of thing. So technology is really, really awesome when it comes to that. Um, now, the bright side of this whole story is besides spending an evening in the hospital, which went into my wife's birthday. So happy birthday, honey. She was really happy about that. Uh, everything is good. I've been still eating well after the hospital, but I can tell you I have had, I've been doing kind of the one of each kind of a thing, which is, you know, nice hamburger, check, no problems. Had only French fries once. I didn't really miss French fries at all. I've become actually more addicted to the baked potato. So I wish more fast food places when you want to go grab like a grilled chicken sandwich, it would be a hell of a nice idea to have a baked potato. Wendy's does them fairly well, so Wendy's has been getting a little bit more of my business. So I didn't miss the french fries. I did have a couple taco pizzas twice because my dad really wanted one. He's been in the hospital, so this was kind of a, uh, this has been kind of a big hospital year, which sucks, let me tell you. But uh, everything's going pretty well for both of us right now, so keep sending those good thoughts, prayers, all those kind of things. If you're into doing those things, and so we've been doing that with the food. We've been kind of going, okay, and nothing has set it off. So obviously, 
This this was the gallbladder, which is here's what's interesting to me. The stone, well, there were multiple stones, but the biggest stone that the surgeon pulled out, he told me was within his top five. He's like, I've seen bigger, but not many. He's like, it was a little bit larger than a chicken's egg. He was surprised I wasn't in more agony for a longer period of time. And I'm like, you know, I didn't really have symptoms until. Again, that month or so before going in for surgery, before that, one really big attack. Otherwise, I could have never even told you that I had gallbladder issues. So the point of this story is, if you're getting heartburn, stuff like that, get it checked out. Very important. Uh, He said, you know, if this would have gone years longer, which, of course, I don't know if I'd have been able to last that. But the way the stone was, where it is, the organs that are there, he's like, you know, if this was another 10 years, he's like, things could have really, really be bad. As it was. He got this larger than a chicken size egg stone out. You know, they bring it out. I'm like, well, how do you even bring that out? He's like, well, we took the incision at your belly button and, you know, we made it a little bit longer. So there was a little incision under my belly button. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like giving birth. I'm like, well, that was a lot of fun. He pulled it out that way and, and all was good. Now, the interesting thing to me was, again, this was a completely different situation. When my wife had her gallbladder out, she, the first day is great. I mean, because again, you're on the drugs, you get, you know, whatever they, when they put you under, you got, you know, they've loaded you up. You're kind of preloaded up that first day. Everything was fine. For her, the second, third, and fourth day were absolutely miserable. Well, we were in the hospital for part of day number two. And every now and then I could feel like a twinging where the gallbladder should have been. But, you know, nothing really bad. It's kind of like if you ever had back spasms, it was kind of like a back spasm. It would kind of come and go. So I took the pain pill. That first time was the next morning after at like 10 o'clock. Took the pain pill then, got home, took a pain pill at like 2 or 3, took one at 7, took one at 11. So that first day, and that was half dose of what I could have taken as far as what they said. Okay, if it's really bad, take two. We'll give you one. Four pain pills the second day after surgery. After that, not even a Tylenol. I mean, it was absolutely amazing because my wife, again, second, third, fourth day, was like, this is this is even worse than having the gallbladder attack. She had some really massive pain and soreness, which we were told was normal because, you know, you're having surgery, they're cutting something out of your body. For somebody who was watching over me or just for the fact that I never had the pain when I was having the gallbladder attacks, but for me, this was like the easiest surgery in the world because two days later, Besides having, you know, you could feel where they cut in because there were four four small incisions, uh, the belly button and around the stomach, four small incisions, which they just kind of put some rubber cement over to keep it, you know, afterwards and all. And but besides those incisions where you could feel that were a little bit sore, there was no massive pain. And after about a week to two weeks, probably more of the two week no longer even felt where the incisions were. And when I was feeling the incisions, it wasn't pain. It was just, you know, kind of felt tight, felt like a discomfort. So if you need to get gallbladder surgery, except for the fact that you may end up going, your heart going into AFib, not something to be afraid of. Definitely not. And when you're the day before, just keep drinking water like there's nothing going out of style to keep yourself hydrated. And uh, and hopefully avoid the complications that I had. But overall, I would say, you know, not a big deal as far as the surgery done. Uh, very little pain, very little uh, 
there's very little that can go wrong. But of course, we we were able to uh, to run into that. So I guess it's good being a top five stone that they're they're pulling out. And I guess we now know that that was the gallbladder just causing the the massive heartburn that just wouldn't go away. And and so now this is going to be the this is going to be the trick to go on from here and make sure that. I can avoid going back to the, you know, having hamburgers five times a week because it's easy and convenient in that. But I will recommend if you need to stay on a low fat diet, I'll give you a few tips here. One, the baked potatoes, Wendy's, definitely check those out if you're doing fast food. The grilled chicken at Wendy's is passable, uh, but anywhere you can go and find a good grilled chicken, you can do rice, obviously, you can do cottage cheese. You can you can stay low fat if you have to. You can find ways to do it. You just have to look at the products in the store. Uh, the Costco had these coconut crackers, and of course, they discontinued them. The company doesn't make them any longer either, which were awesome. They were a great snack, low-fat. Pretzels. Gosh, pretzels are awesome. Pretzels, you can even throw a little bit of mustard on them. Very low-fat. So if you're on that gallbladder diet, you just kind of change the way you do things. You don't have to completely go vegetarian or anything, but you can do for me the big the big splurge on this whole diet plan was having a cup of chili not often but you know just a few times cuz that's wasn't you know it's not loaded up with fat at least if you look at you know nutrition at most places the chilies even though there's a little bit of red meat in there not enough to set off a gallbladder attack but the thing that got me through it and there's a local place here called El Motor if you're in the Chicago area check them out for Mexican food their chicken fajitas kept me going cuz really corn tortillas grilled chicken onions peppers lettuce tomato all awesome you just have to avoid the sour cream and very little bit of that avocado cuz there is a lot of fat in that but that to me was as close to eating normal as I could. And even though they're the evil empire, every now and then having an espresso frappuccino at Starbucks was, you know, kind of like having ice cream without the fat. It's a very sweet, cold, good. And, you know, I know I can make them at home and I do. But, you know, every now and then it's uh, it's just easier to let somebody else do the heavy lifting. So that hopefully now we're feeling better going to hopefully get this podcast back on track to doing a weekly release. And we appreciate you for sticking with us. And uh, as we move forward, hopefully, hopefully all the, you know, the health issues and that, which were keeping us from doing a lot of recording. Cause you know, I thought about doing an episode right after the surgery or right before the surgery. And it was like, I just felt crappy enough to where it's like, you know what? I don't want to go and do a podcast and, and feel like I'm a, uh, a bitter, angry person. Even though this next story kind of makes me a bitter, angry person. So I figured maybe what the hell I should have probably just been doing it all along. Uh, the story which is being reported here on Fox News was Sports Illustrated model Robin Lawley, who I've never heard of. You've never heard of. It's just, who cares what this girl thinks? She's calling for a boycott of Victoria's Secret. And I'm thinking, well, okay, so this is a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. What could she possibly be mad at Victoria's Secret about? Well, she says, I want actual cellulite on the catwalk. I mean, I don't know if she wants it in a person, in a model, or if we should just pull cellulite out of somebody and put it on the catwalk. I would think that might make it a little um, 
hard to walk. It might be just a little bit, uh, just a little bit slippery, but I I'm not sure. Uh, but here is an Instagram post that she made saying, I have started an online petition. Link in bio. You know, okay, I'll go. I'll go look for that right now. Join me and let's help change the minds of Victoria's Secret to be more diverse and inclusive of body shapes and sizes on their runways. Victoria's Secret has dominated the space for almost 30 years by telling women that only one kind of body is beautiful. Now, I hate to tell you this, but the history of the swimsuit issue from Sports Illustrated has pretty much always been one body. I know recently they have gone to a few plus size models, and I can tell you they will never fully go to plus size models. I could tell you the reason, but I think you're could pretty much guess on your own. And that's one thing. Everybody's into their thing. They think what they think is beautiful. You th what you find is hot. What you find is hot may be something completely different than what I find is hot. And that's absolutely okay. What I'm not okay with is any asshole like this model who probably doesn't have three IQ points in her brain because what she doesn't understand is you can't tell somebody what their brand should be. You just you just can't do it. And you're not going to shame a company like Victoria's Secret into changing their brand because you don't like it. Here's the thing. Don't buy their shit. It's very simple. If you don't like what a company is doing, if you don't like their brand, don't buy their shit. But don't throw stones at them. See how we work that in? Don't throw stones because you don't like what they're doing. Because here's the way I look at it. There's a lot of companies that don't put a brand out there that I particularly like. For instance, Nike, this whole new Colin Kaepernick thing, I think totally asinine. I think the ad sucks. I think he is a subpar athlete who really doesn't belong being the face of Nike, but that's fine. They believe he is. That's cool. They didn't fall the pressure to people that were mad about it, and I applaud them. They made their choice, and they're going with it. With that said, companies have to be allowed to decide what their brand is. Here, think about this. You know, Beyonce, she is one of the biggest superstars in the world. She has fashion. I mean, she, she's in a whole bunch of different industries. So say Beyonce has a line of cool clothes, you know, dresses, jewelry, and all this. Well, okay, if, if, this, if this Sports Illustrated model can dictate who Victoria's Secret has to use as their models for their brand, well, then... Beyonce, I want you to use a 90-year-old white woman with a hunchback and no teeth to be your face of your brand. That's what I want. You think Beyonce fucking cares what I think? No, because her brand is not that. Victoria's Secret, if they want to push the brand that lingerie is for skinny girls, that's their prerogative. Sports Illustrated, this is why I find this kind of funny, because Sports Illustrated model throwing stones about body shaming for a company that, again, only decided to start putting token large women in the issues just a couple of years ago. And let's be honest, they're the token women in the issue. Look at how many skinny women there are in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And especially if you go back more than two years. Three years, whenever this this whole thing started, when they Victoria or Sports Illustrated decided to make this change to be more socially conscious, 
Hell, I mean, I remember reading the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue going back to like uh, 1986. You know, Paulina Poroskova, Kathy Ireland. Um, I don't remember any large women in in the Sports Illustrated magazine uh, for the swimsuit issue or their calendars or all that kind of thing, because it was a brand concept. And the interesting thing to me is on my Twitter timeline, because I follow them, Sports Illustrated posts more naked pictures on Twitter than anybody else. Well, at least that I follow. I'm sure there's probably other people that post more naked pictures in Sports Illustrated. But as far as mainstream places, Sports Illustrated inundates my Twitter timeline with naked or nearly naked women and almost 90, well, I would say not almost all. I mean, I would say 99% of them are skinny women. So maybe, maybe, Robin, you should be talking to Sports Illustrated, the fucking company that you're working for, before you start throwing stones at somebody else. Maybe you're just mad because you'll never be a Victoria's Secret angel. And maybe, maybe that just angers you. And that's okay. Pay with your, you know, make your voice heard by not buying the product. Find the lingerie store that throws a lot of big ladies in the ads and only buy from them. Everybody's cool with that. I have my, you know, ideas of what I think brands should be. The brands have their ideas and it all works out in the end, but nobody's going to tell somebody else what their brand should be because when that happens, well, the brand just falls apart. Now, again, thanks for listening to the show. I'm glad you've been sticking with us. We're having a lot of fun and I will go on record right now saying we're going to get these out more and more regularly, hopefully on Friday, Saturdays, each and every week. Uh, if you want to uh, hook up with us, if you want to send us a message, the easiest way is to do that on Twitter at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, or check out our website again at randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts. Hopefully next week we'll be back. Hopefully everybody will be feeling good. I hope you're feeling good. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening.